0: I can only draw a stick figure, and these are kinds of things that sometimes people say, and art mm-hmm. therapists will 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 tell them like it's okay. we're this is not a place to be judgmental, and we're not looking for you to create a beautiful picture. That's not the idea here. The idea here is to access different parts of the brain through the creative process, which channel and open up you know that other material allowing you know you to receive and understand your experience in a different way
1: welcome to the woman warriors podcast you worry i worry we all do if you're paying attention to the world today there's a lot for women to feel worried and anxious about as we explore the worries with curiosity and compassion We learn to live more authentically and unleash the warrior within, someone who is strong, capable, and resilient, come what may. It's time to stop battling against yourself and start using your powers to meet everyday challenges with energy, purpose, and bravery. Now here's your host, Elizabeth Cush. Today's episode is brought to you by Three Invitations to Come Home to You. If you'd like to learn how to feel more at home in yourself, you can sign up for your free invitations at Elizabethbethcushcoaching.com. Hi and welcome back to the Woman Warriors Podcast. I'm your host Elizabeth Cush, and I am a therapist and life coach in Annapolis, Maryland, serving adults here in Maryland as well as around the world. I had recorded half of this introduction to the podcast and not realizing that I was not recording it at all. So there you go. We'll start again with a, a fresh start and uh, actually push the record button. So I'm very excited about my guest today, Raina Lombardi. But before we get started, just want to check in. How are you doing? How are you managing? How are you coping? It's hard. As much as I want things to feel normal, the fact that the vaccine is still so hard to get and that the distribution doesn't feel seamless, it's hard. I am yearning to get back to a life where I have things to look forward to, where the events that typically took place at this time of year are going to take place again. So Whether it's spring or summer or fall, I know that things will return to a sense of normalcy again, but it's hard to, it's hard to wait. I want things to feel back to normal now, but it will happen. It will happen. So today my guest is Raina Lombardi, who is an art therapist, and she is going to share her insights on how art therapy can open up deeper levels of healing and unearth some of our unconscious feelings, experiences, created greater depth of therapy. And I'm so excited to go there with her. But let me tell you a little bit about Raina. Raina Lombardi is a registered board certified art therapist an art therapy certified supervisor and a licensed mental health counselor, qualified supervisor practicing in Fort Myers, Florida. She is the owner of Florida Art Therapy Services, where she and her small team of therapists provide in-person and technology-facilitated individual and group art therapy and counseling services. She also runs art therapy groups at various community agencies and supervision and continuing education programming for counselors and art therapists. She has contributed to several academic texts on the topics of art therapy and clinical supervision, and is a frequent presenter and speaker at local and national professional conferences. Reina also owns Creative Clinicians Corner, where she provides practice-building resources And consultation services for creative art therapists with a desire to build and scale their own private practice. She is the host of the Creative Psychotherapy podcast, where she interviews successful creative therapists about the tools and strategies they use to grow their dream practices, as well as how they have hustled to create additional streams of income using their knowledge and creativity by developing products and services that enhance their therapy practices. As I said, Raina is going to talk to us about what art therapy is, but also how it can uncover some deeper, unconscious material that we can work on in therapy. So let's get started. Hi, Raina, and welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast.
0: Hi, Biz. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about art therapy because you're actually my first art therapist on the podcast, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so cool. (laughs) I know, which also seems kind of crazy to me because I'm, I just, I don't know, I love art therapy and I'm like, why have I not had somebody sooner? But there you go. You're here and I'm very happy. So if you could. Share with the listeners a little bit about you and what got you started on this journey of art therapy,
0: yeah, sure. So I guess, I've been an art therapist going on twenty years, and it doesn't seem that long, and yet it does at the same time. Mm. When I was in college early on, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. and I knew that I wanted to be in some kind of helping profession Mm -hmm. and I thought that I wanted to go into nursing. I thought that I really, I was inspired by the folks that did work with hospice and I really, I, I thought, oh, I want to do nursing and I started down that path. Mm -hmm. educationally, which required me to become a certified nursing assistant slash home health aid Mm -hmm. in Florida in order to meet the prerequisite requirements to get into a bachelor's of nursing program that I was trying to get into. And so I started doing that and really quickly I realized "Mm -mm, nursing was not for me. Mm. I loved the relational dynamics of the work. I loved connecting. I loved hearing people's stories. I really appreciated getting to know people. I didn't like the brevity of the work. Hmm. And I didn't like, I I had a hard time with certain smells. And I was like, okay, this isn't for me. What am I going to do? Hmm. And so I had always loved art. I'd always kind of did my own art on the side. And I was like, well, I think I'm going to pursue a degree in art and see where that takes me. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I started doing that. And while I was in my bachelor's program, Somebody said, hey, you know, there's this community center place that just opened up and it's run by a couple of social workers and they're engaging people in the arts that they're adults that had a a variety of things going on, but different developmental disabilities. And they are creating this art center center where they teach them and then they have like gallery experiences. They're creating opportunities to integrate them into the community. And I was like, oh, interesting. That sounds really cool.
1: Oh my gosh. So cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I I was like, well, I'm going to check it out. And I started volunteering there and it was through, that organization, it was called Creative Clay. It's in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I'm pretty sure they're still going strong. And that was in the nineties. And so it was there that I learned about the field of art therapy. I had never heard of it before. And I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds perfect for me. I want to do something where I can really develop a relationship with people. I want to do something where I'm bringing in the arts. And yeah, and it was like a a perfect marriage. Mm -hmm. So I started pursuing what I needed to do to do that. And that's kind of the trajectory I've been on ever since.
1: That's so cool that you almost, I mean, in some ways got to mesh the two things that you love, that relational aspect and the art piece to create a business.
0: Definitely. Definitely. It's a really cool thing to be able to do something that you feel makes a difference and also allows you to have kind of independence in the way in which you work. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that aspect of creativity in the work of doing therapy and counseling, whether or not it's with art or just talk therapy, that piece is
1: really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. And I feel as if like more recently, at least in my experience, that the more creative therapies have really come more to the forefront. I think part of that is recognizing that I think sometimes trauma needs to be healed in other ways like that it's not all about talk therapy that there can be this other exploration that helps you heal those parts of you and that sometimes creativity is really a big part of that. Absolutely. I think there's a few things that
0: come to mind when I talk about that particular aspect of the work with people and one is one of the professors that I had as an undergraduate art student, he was kind of teaching this kind of survey course of art history. And it was very like cross-cultural practices of art. Mm. And he, his, his first lecture, it was like in this big, like studio, like auditorium hall, there was like 350 people or something in the class. And he kind of walks across the stage and He said, I know I'm human because I make art. Hmm. And that's something that really has had a profound impact on the way I think about the work that we do. And I would actually now kind of move to a place of understanding more of like, I know that I'm human and the other people that I interact with are human because we are all creators, Hmm. we all create. And the way we make art is very, very different, but we all are in a process of creating and it's through creation that we experience meaning making in our lives. And it's the meaning making that becomes transformative in our experience and how we integrate life's challenges and pains and hurts and traumas. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I feel like the creative processes and body work and some of the more, I guess, integrative therapies can bring forth a much more, uh, some of the more unconscious material Mm -hmm. that's there. Mm -hmm. But how do you see that unfolding with the clients that you work with? I think absolutely It doesn't seem to,
0: in in my experience, where I ended up going to school is a, a program called Leslie University, and their program is about the integrative process, and they specialize in expressive arts therapies. And really looking at something called intermodal transfer, where we're not just looking at, okay, we're doing art, we're making a picture and that's it. But okay, now that we've made art, can we go a little bit further? Is there some writing that we can do in response to the art? Now that we've done the writing, is there something else that you gained out of that? And can we now put that back into a visual piece? Or can we put that into a body movement, a shape that you can hold or, you know, take up space within physical space hmm. that you're in, or can we put that into a rhythm? Hmm. Is there a rhythm that really matches that experience and what that was like a tone? So we're looking at all of the different creative aspects of our experience and how we express ourselves. And in, in, each layer, we're going back into like the sensory experience, you know, is there a sense of something that you feel in your body? Can you notice it? Where Where are you getting stuck in your body or where are you holding tension in your body? And what does that look like? And what does that sound like? And it's through all of those processes that it takes us on a depth journey mm-hmm. that Leads us to that unconscious material that you're talking about, which when we can bring it forth, that you know, people go, Oh, wow, like I just have this like aha moment. I'm seeing things in a new way, I'm understanding my experience in a new way. And now I can hold that in a different way where it's not so painful or difficult it doesn't always happen in that way. You know, some people are like ripe for that and they're ready. They're like, yeah, let me dive in. I, that's what I want to do. I just love that part. Other people, that, that, that is like, it's kind of scary to go there and it feels uncomfortable to go there. It feels risky to express themselves in any of those capacities. And so how we help somebody navigate that expressive experience is going to be different based on the individual and where they are in their own comfort of
1: self-expression. I hope that
0: makes sense.
1: It does. I mean, to me, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think that sort of reflective process of, yeah, creating the artwork then Putting words to it, is there a body gesture? I, I just it resonates with me personally. Uh, uh, some of the work that I do, my own healing work uh, yeah. in in groups, that has really opened up a whole lot for me personally, and it's just amazing what you can uncover or what comes to the surface that you know maybe you weren't aware of.
0: Right. It, I mean, in a way, if we look at like the work of Jung and, and really talks about that collective unconscious. And, you know, there's a sense of knowing, there's always a sense of knowing that lies within. It's just, we may be blind to it if we're mm-hmm. not ready to hear what it has to say. But I think that all of us have what is needed to heal ourselves mm-hmm. if we're willing to, you know, look for it and excavate it and hear it and sit with it and not judge it. And, you know, be willing to take those risks of exploring and doing something that feels a little bit uncomfortable or childish or childlike or playful.
1: Mm, Yeah. And giving yourself permission to be playful and childlike, in the moment, I think sometimes this is hard for people too. Yeah. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's, it's kind of been adulted out of us.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's so true. Yeah. To laugh and giggle and play and yeah, we're, we're supposed to, we're supposed to (laughs) suppress all that stuff.
0: Right. Okay, very serious. We live in a very serious world and this is very serious work that we're doing.
1: Well, and to me, therapy, you know, for some, and and there, I'm sure there are therapists that who are very serious all the time. But for me, part of therapy is bringing in the laughter and the joy and the playfulness, even through talk therapy. So mm-hmm. I would imagine with art therapy, it opens some other doors too, in terms of just getting messy and allowing yourself to play in the art. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a time for
0: seriousness, of course, but I think maybe for many of us some of the biggest challenges like the seriousness starts to dominate our lives and we we disconnect from that place of joy that we experience when we do allow ourselves to play and to do without a reason for an outcome.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so if there are listeners out there who really don't have any experience with art therapy, can you talk to us a little bit about how you bring in the art, you know, the art into the therapy room?
0: Well, the way my practice is set up is it really, when you come in for a session, you're in a studio. You're mm. it is set up like a studio, and we're surrounded by art materials, a variety of different things. So, no matter where somebody is in their like comfort of creating, that we have uh, mediums that would meet everybody's level. So, whether that's like I don't feel mm. comfortable drawing at all. Like, I am terrified of that. Haven't done that since I was like, you know, since sixth grade and I can only draw a stick figure. And these are kinds of things that sometimes people say and mm-hmm. art therapists there. Just, we'll, we'll, we'll tell them like, it's okay. We're This is not a place to be judgmental. And we're not looking for you to create a beautiful picture. That's not the idea here. The idea here is to access different parts of the brain through the creative process, which channel and open up you know, that other material allowing, you know, you to receive and understand your experience in a different way. So if you don't feel like drawing, we've got magazine collages that we can do, um, something with, which Mm. for a lot of adults that feels much more comfortable, to start with something like that, where there's not as much pressure to have a sense of mastery over how to use the material. Mm. But for other people, it might be like, we have pencils, we have charcoal, we have pastels and markers, different kinds of markers. And then we have paint, watercolor and acrylic paint. We don't use oil because it tends to be a very toxic medium and you need a lot of like special equipment, you know, ventilation and stuff Mm -hmm. like that in order to facilitate that process. Mm -hmm. And then I have clay. I don't have a kiln, but you use a lot of uh, self-drying clay or modeling clay. So we can go into, you know, three-dimensional form if people are ready to take things into three-dimensional form, but we kind of have this like full variety. So if somebody starts off in a place where they feel like they're really, really anxious about creating, they will probably choose something like a pencil and eraser because I can erase my mistakes and I can read (laughs) it, even if that means erasing a hole in the paper. Right, But we can start there and then we can kind of move further, 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 further as people become more comfortable process and with the, the engagement that we can lead them into something that's a little more uh, fluid and expressive. I always in, encourage more abstract approaches and using text in the imagery, if there are words that come to mind, hmm. you know, allowing, allowing the process to evolve as it, as creatively as one feels comfortable. Um, there's no censorship on how to create or whether it's right or wrong. There's no right or wrong in what we create, but I have a belief that whatever needs to be, whatever needs to be heard or spoken, Will show up, mm. and then with whatever shows up on the paper or in the sculpture, then we'll take it a step further and start kind of exploring and seeing maybe you know is there a place in in the image that holds somebody's attention more? Is there a place that feels more comfortable, less comfortable? Is there part of the image? that they feel comfortable giving voice to? And if so, what would it say?
1: Hmm.
0: And starting to facilitate a dialogue back and forth. Okay. So if that color red says something, okay, now that you've heard it, what do you say back to it? Hmm. And now what does it say back to you? And so really kind of working and deepening the language of the metaphor of that creative process. I think can help bring people to the answers that they're looking for in you know, the mm-hmm. comfort that being able to speak things that perhaps previously were not able to be spoken. Yeah.
1: And so there, there, uh, so there's almost like the versus talk therapy. It's There's talking around the art and what it's bringing up for you, like while you're creating it. And once it's either finished or, you know, you get to the end of the art piece.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's just one aspect of how art therapists work.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It could look different in a different setting, you know, depending upon who you're working with, it might be a lot more structured Mm. and it might be like, you know, with younger kids, I'm, I'm probably, it's probably going to be a lot more structured and, Mm. and less of that depth type processing. And for example, like some of the therapists here also work with um, seniors Mm. that are experiencing, you know, neurological deficits and kind of starting in the early stages or, Moderate stages of dementia or Alzheimer's. And so, the way an art therapist would facilitate an art therapy session or an art therapy group for that individual is probably not necessarily going to be about making meaning of problems, but or like healing work, but it's probably going to be more focused on reality orientation. Can we help through the creative process to bring somebody into this reality right now and allow them to engage with the people around them in a now perspective where they're they're oriented to the here and now, or they are able to access memories and create something that captures and holds their memory of an important experience in their life Hmm. that they can leave behind to their loved ones. Hmm. So, you know, it's hard to explain because it can be so many different things, the way an art therapist practices, Mm -hmm. depending upon what the work is and who who they're doing the art therapy with. So it could be more, you know, really free, expressive, and let's go into processing about the artwork, um, or it could be more structured with specific goals about reality orientation.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that makes so much sense though, because each person is coming to the therapy room, just like talk therapy with whatever it is they're struggling with, And then, too, the therapist is bringing whatever their skill set is to help that client, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So it's very individualized. But I know all of us here in my practice, we use a lot of talk therapy as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people come and they don't want to do art therapy. They really want to do talk therapy, and that's okay, too. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's whatever a person needs. Yeah. Right. It's their
1: journey. And, you know, you you have a group practice, right? This is your. Mm -hmm. And do you specialize in a certain clientele? I mean, like, do you mainly do adults or kids or like what's your specialization?
0: Right. You know, I think there, we hear as therapists, like, we're supposed to choose a niche and (laughs) focus in. And that has been, I think one of the biggest challenges for me in the work that I do. And I would say that there are multiple niches. Mm -hmm. And so like, we definitely serve a lot of individuals throughout the lifespan from children into adulthood Mm -hmm. that would identify as being neurodiverse, or falling somewhere on the autism spectrum.
1: Mm.
0: And so we serve a lot of families with those needs. And then we also serve a lot of adolescents, teens that are struggling with, you know, identity development, probably experiencing some depression, anxiety. And unfortunately, as a result of trying to cope with those challenges, they might be engaging in some behavior that is harmful to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that would be another kind of group of individuals we see a fair amount of. And then we go out into the community and provide community-based group services to some elderly populations, although we haven't been doing that obviously with COVID, because right those organi- just because of safety precautions and everything, and it really is something where they need the hands on. It just doesn't really translate through the telehealth mm, mediums, mm-hmm. yeah. And then also substance abuse facilities where mm. we go out and provide group therapy services specifically for those folks. And again, in that way, it it also looks a little bit different. We're not necessarily going super deep, but we're trying to facilitate an expressive process so that people can learn to build tolerance for things that feel intolerable. Mm. And so they always say, gosh, you always ask us to do such hard things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't necessarily think they're hard things, but if you've spent a long time, uh, you know, a large significant portion of your lifetime avoiding feeling anything, then yeah, asking somebody to express an emotional experience on paper is hard.
1: Oh, I bet. I bet. Well yeah it's like you're suddenly asking them to unearth these things that they've worked really hard not to unearth right 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah although to me somehow and i'm sure this is not true for everyone but that that artwork might be a safer place to allow those things to come forward because it could be more abstract and you know it's just the feeling doesn't have to be like, I'm feeling scared or I'm whatever. I'm feeling socially anxious right now. You don't Mm -hmm. have to necessarily put a name to whatever it is that's coming up and that you're creating artwork around.
0: Yeah. I think that's like the beauty of the creative process, whatever you know whatever medium somebody decides to express themselves in whether it's music or or drama or mute movement or or fine art or poetry is we we have the capacity to reveal that which is extraordinarily painful and through metaphor and artistic language we're able to keep what needs to be concealed concealed So it's like a simultaneous dialectic, if you will, of being able to reveal and conceal at the same time.
1: Hmm. Interesting. That's a neat way to look at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know I've done a little bit of art therapy. My, My personal therapist is an art therapist, but right now everything we're doing is virtual. So we're talking a lot, but it has definitely opened some doors for me, and as well as I'm also, well, I do a lot of therapy for myself, but I'm in a movement group too. It's called intuitive movement and where yeah, oh. you're ex- you're, it's really amazing. And you, yeah, you just allow your body to move in space with other people with your eyes closed. And it's incredibly vulnerable, but incredibly uh, healing too. Mm-hmm. But- just those spaces to be able to express yourself without words has been a really um, important part of my healing journey. So I just Mm -hmm. love that this is available for people. And I feel like, yeah, that it's just becoming a part of how we do therapy as therapists. You know, what that may not be me, but I can refer you to someone who does, you know? Right. Right.
0: And I think if we look at like human history, you know, that that's how people took care of themselves before we had these modern kind of mm-hmm. things called therapy and counseling and
1: <laughs> right. psychiatry.
0: Right. right. You yeah. know, they, they made sense of their experience through
1: the way the the ways in which they expressed themselves. Yeah. Yeah. How has covid the pandemic, you know all of the virtual therapy stuff how's that impacted what you do? I'm guessing you can still do some artwork virtually, but yeah, mm-hmm. how is that how is that working?
0: You know it is it's definitely been really interesting in how we have to shift mm. and be flexible in way in which we work. Right. Mm -hmm. In some cases, you know, I have some clients that are like, they have tons of supplies and it's not a, a, it's not a challenge at all. So they're like ready to like create in their own space and share it, you know, on the screen. and, And we can still engage in a, in a very similar process that way. But for others, they're meeting maybe in their car on the video platform yeah. on yeah. their phone and it's just it's not it's not conducive <laughs> <laughs> and so we, you know we end up it it ends up being really talk focused with an emphasis on like okay well it, in your own personal time like maybe exploring this theme or that theme you know journaling or making art about it and then For a lot of our like kids and teen clients, but it was really, it was really hard. And we ended up, you know, bringing, bringing folks back into the office at the end of summer. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we do it very limited. There's limited people in the office at the same time, There's time to wipe down tables and materials and door handles and all of that stuff in between sessions and we wear masks and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: all that stuff. But it it was really, it was really important to be able to welcome people Mm -hmm. back that needed that opportunity to be in the physical holding environment, which I feel like, in how i've been conceptualizing the telehealth experience i feel like i've gone through my like a multi phases of understanding of the work yeah but i think it's wonderful that we have these opportunities to be able to help and hold space for people in this capacity but at the same time it is the holding of the space part that for me as a therapist, I think has been the most complicated through the telehealth realm. Mm-hmm. When people come into the office and you know, you've know, you curated your space, you know what's in your space, you know what people have access to. Mm-hmm. Like I know in the room that I have set up for working with younger kids, like we have a, a special room that's set up just for them i know that every everything in that space was selected and has a has a therapeutic purpose mm-hmm. and in the art studio space i know all the different materials that i have and how i can use them and and facilitate that process and i and i know what the space is and how you know we we have the office and the sound machines and how we control for safety and things like that. Mm-hmm. But when somebody is in an environment that we don't have any control over, it's in a different environment. It's not always safe there. It's not always confidential, even if they are in a separate room or space, like somebody's listening or, or they might not have access to different therapeutic materials that we might use to facilitate experiences in therapy the way we would in person. So it's that holding of the the holding environment itself has been something that's been particularly challenging for me, I think, as a therapist with Mm. um, telehealth. How about
1: you? Yeah, I would agree that, yes, I have some clients who need to meet with me from their car or from a park, or I even had a client at one time meet me in, you know, they were in their bathroom because that felt like the quietest, safest space. And so that part is definitely hard where I know when they come to the office, which many clients have said, it's like, they walk in the door and they're like, oh, like, I know, they know they can just be themselves there. And, and that, that space is held for them. So yes, mm-hmm. I, I I would agree that that as grateful as I am, that I've been able to do the therapy online for all of this, almost a year now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being in a room with someone with my stuff and the comfy couch and yeah, it's a nice thing to be able to offer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I think that it's just been, that's been challenging. Right. Mm-hmm. Disruptions.
1: Um, mm-hmm. or like yeah. technology. Mm-hmm,
0: <laughs> technology doesn't work, or yeah. you know, there's an unexpected uh something that's going on in the house. And yeah, yeah. We don't even get to finish a full session. I mean,
1: yeah. <laughs> there's been yes. so many things that have that that I've encountered anyway. Mm -hmm. Yes. I had to, I had to figure out a way to keep my dog downstairs because he likes, as you, we were talking before we started recording. Yeah. He'd hear something outside and start barking. And it sounds really loud over (laughs) the audio on a computer when he's right next to me barking. So yeah. yeah. Um, Oh,
0: definitely. And for me, it's like, even if the other person can't hear the dog, Mm -hmm. I hear the dog and that (laughs) distracts me.
1: (laughs) Right. We get pulled away. Right. right. Mm. Well, Reina, I so, so appreciate your coming on the podcast and talking about art therapy and how it really can just move healing forward in a different way. And If there were listeners who were like, yes, I want to find an art therapist, how would they go about doing that? Or if they're Uh, in Florida and want to find you, I would like them to know how to do that too. Oh, yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: And I, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about art therapy on your podcast and, you know, maybe introduce people to it who've not heard of it or aren't aware of it, or were curious, but maybe weren't sure about what it is. Yeah. There's, there's still so much education that needs to be done, but people can learn about myself or the other art therapists that I work with in my practice. At Florida Art Therapyservices.com. That's my practice website. Mm-hmm. And for folks that are looking, maybe they're in a different area. Um, if they're looking for an art therapist, they can go to the Art Therapy Credentials Board website, which is atcb.org, mm-hmm. and they can look up credentialed art therapy folks there and I think they have their contact information, like either an email or maybe it's their business phone number or something that they can, you know,
1: contact, contact them. Cool. Yeah. And you also have a podcast for art therapists, right? Yeah.
0: So my my podcast uh, really focuses on all the creative modalities that people utilize in therapy. And so because I'm an art therapist, I know a lot of art therapists. So I <laughs> tend to have maybe maybe there's a greater percentage of art therapists that are featured on the show, but it's called the Creative Psychotherapist Podcast. And I've had a number of therapists that aren't necessarily say an art therapist or a music therapist or a drama therapist or a psychodramatist, but they are a licensed mental health professional in some capacity that uses or utilizes the creative process and their work. I Today, um, the podcast that was released is with a really, really incredible therapist named Robert uh, Niemeyer, who is really influential in the work of grief and loss mm. and like, he's not an art therapist or an expressive therapist, but he really believes in that work in terms of the healing process when it comes to grief and he's a poet. And so there's other people on the podcast that aren't art therapists, but they're cool. passionate about creativity and the work that we do.
1: Nice. Nice. And I will provide uh, links in the show notes to the resources, your website and uh, the art therapy board. So very cool. Well, thanks again, Raina. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, getting to know your work a little bit better.
0: I appreciated the opportunity to talk with you today, Biz. Thank you so much.
1: This week's episode is brought to you by three invitations to come home to you. We all have different parts or voices we hear that can influence how we act, how we feel, and how we engage with the world. When we can get curious and learn more about all of our parts with compassion, we begin to feel more at home in ourselves. I'd like to invite you to explore some of your parts with the three invitations to come home to you. When you sign up, you'll gain access to the prompts that will be your guide to help you get to know you and your parts a little bit better. To get access to your prompts and find out more about working one-on-one with me, go to ElizabethKushCoaching.com. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation with Raina. She is so well-versed and educated around art therapy and other creative practices. And it's just a joy to talk to other clinicians who are so invested in the work that they do and love it and wanna share about it. What I took away from our conversation was how closely tied the more creative therapies are to mindfulness and the sensory experience. And just as she was describing, you know, using art to then write and share in writing and then bringing it back to the artwork or bringing it back to your body, bringing it back to your sensory experience is so mindful and... I think just brings a greater depth of healing internally, which is super important. So if you are interested in either working with Raina or finding out more about her, you can find all of her contact information in the show notes. If you are looking for an art therapist near you, I will also include the directory of credentialed art therapists in the show notes as well, which you can find at womanwarriors.com. I hope you all will explore your creative side this week, whether it's through journaling or artwork or movement, or just tuning into your body. I hope that you will do some of that exploration with openness and curiosity. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Ciao for now from this Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Woman Warriors Podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guest profiles at womanwarriors.com.